Well, let's go ahead and get into our lesson tonight. We are in our series two, A Voice in the Wilderness. And tonight we're going to talk about it will, it will come to pass. Tonight's message is basically going to go right in with what we talked about on Sunday. Um, whatever God says, it shall be done. It will be done. Uh, so we're going to look tonight that he will faithfully wait for God's word to come to pass. That we will not grumble or complain, but we will faithfully wait for his word. Let's look at Luke 2 and 25 to 26. It says, and, the, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the constellation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. So basically, there, were, there was a promise given unto him. That before you die, you will see the Messiah. That was the promise. He was not a young man. So here he is, this older man. We're going to talk about him a, a good bit tonight. But we're going to see that he held on to that promise, trusting that before I die, I'm going to get to see the Messiah. So tonight's topic we're going to be basically talking about is God's word always comes true. Always. If we get, Brother Ryan, if we can get that first picture of the gentleman in the wheelchair mind awesome thank you we're going to talk about scotty for a second not scotty stout not old bird dog not that scotty no don't don't go tell him i was talking about him tonight but we're going to talk about a different scotty scotty could be what people would call very difficult this phrase could be heard again and again from people who knew Scotty. That he had been that way since he was just a child. And the words were sometimes said in anger after frustrating encounters with Scotty. But most of the time, they were just stated as the truth. A truth that seemed impossible to change in this young man. Scotty's mom had taken him to church as much as she could through his childhood. But she was a small woman, and once he decided not to go... She could not force him to go. As an adult, Scotty married a lady who attended church, and he attended with her sporadically, but he would not make a commitment unto God. His work involved a lot of travel, and his tendency to be difficult did not diminish over the years. Around 63 years of age, Scotty had a stroke, bringing him close to death and leaving him confined to a wheelchair dependent upon the health help of others. Due to his wife's poor health, she could not lift him or give him the care that he needed, so Scotty began living his life in a nursing home. In 2014, Kendall and LaVon felt impressed to start visiting a church member who was a resident in a local nursing home. During one of their visits, they were introduced to a man who had grown up in the same town as Kendall. And during their introduction, Kendall recognized Scotty. He had no idea that Scotty was now living in a nursing home. In early 2015, God began dealing with Kendall about purchasing a van to transport people who were, asking, who were consistently asking for rides to church. And once the van was purchased, two men wanted to go to church, and Scotty was one of them. 
At 68 years of age, Scotty rolled through the doors of a spirit-filled church and was flooded with memories of attending church as a child with his mother. Scotty no longer hid from church, and he eagerly waited every Sunday for the van to come. In 2017, Scotty was very fidgety at the end of service, and when the invitation was given, he took off in his wheelchair for the front. And a short time later, he looked up at Kendall, he smiled, and he declared, I got it. I got the Holy Ghost today. In 2018, after carefully planning and with the help of six men, Scotty was lowered into a cattle trough in the front of the church and baptized in Jesus' name. The prayers of his mother had come to pass. Almost two years later, on January 11, 2020, at the age of 73, Scotty's fear of being left behind was eternally quenched when his Savior came to take him home on his final ride. Don't ever stop praying, Mama. God gave his mama a promise, and she held on to it. It was years later, and she didn't even get to see it. But Scotty finally gave in, and the promise was fulfilled. So tonight we're going to talk about that, that God's word when he speaks it, will always come to pass. It will come to pass. Everybody say, it will come to pass. So the first point, our first point tonight I want to look at is Jesus was brought to a temple. It was customary for newborns to be presented in the temple in those days. And on the eighth day of their new son's life, Joseph and Mary followed the law of Moses and they had Jesus circumcised. According to the IVP Bible background commentary, it was common for circumcision to happen in the home by the father and with family and friends gathered. The birth of a son was very important and celebrated. It was a very celebrated event because it ensured that the family's lineage would go on. At this celebrated event, Joseph and Mary followed the angel's instructions and they named their son Jesus. When Mary's time of purification was complete, the little family traveled to Jerusalem to present Jesus at the temple. Joseph and Mary made their way to the specified place where Mary would be purified and Jesus would be presented to God as their firstborn son. So that kind of sounds familiar. They went to the temple to dedicate their baby. Kind of sounds like something we do around here. It's very important if Jesus was taken to the temple to be dedicated, you bring your kiddos to an altar to have your kids dedicated. And you dedicate yourself to raise them in the truth. That's something that is so important in your kids' lives that they know. And I, I've actually had people say, well, you know what, Pastor? I wasn't in church when I had my kids, so I, I didn't dedicate them. Actually, I had somebody ask me not too long ago that their kids are, are much older. Can we still dedicate? I said, absolutely, bring them to the altar. We will dedicate them now, dedicate their lives unto the Lord. So the first point here, the second point I want to look at is Joseph and Mary, they brought a sacrifice when they brought Jesus into the temple. So specific instructions surrounded sacrifices. And Leviticus 12 details what was to be done after a woman had a son. Verse, or chapter 12 Starting at verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, 
that she will, ceremonially, or she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. On the eighth day, the boy's foreskin must be circumcised. These are the instructions for a woman after birth of a son or a daughter. Or if a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, that she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be for the burnt offering and the other for the purification offering. And the priest will sacrifice them to purify her, and she will be ceremonially clean at that point. Aren't you thankful you live in the New Testament and the New Covenant? Hallelujah. Please don't bring any animals in here for me to sacrifice. Too messy. So if this son was the firstborn, there was even more requirements. So the firstborn of every animal belongs to me, he says in Exodus 34, including the firstborn males from your herds of cattle and your flocks of sheep and goats. A firstborn donkey must be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. No one may appear before me without an offering. This is the word of God. This is not, I'm not making this up. This is what they had to go through in the Old Testament. They didn't have the access to God like we do. That's why we should be very thankful we can come in here on a Sunday morning. And the only offering he's asking us to give is a tithe, a tenth of our income back into the kingdom, and give an offering that you would want to give him back into the kingdom. He's not asking for you to bring animals or break any animals' necks or cutting any animals up. There's nothing going on like that. So be thankful that we can come in here and just lift our hands and magnify him and be in the presence of God. And you don't have to come ask me to go do it on your behalf. That's what they had to do back then. Only the priest could go into the holies of holies to be into the presence of God. That not everyone had access. That's why when we sing that song, we get to the, the, the bridge where it says the veil was torn. That's why, have you ever noticed when we sing that song, something powerful takes place when we start singing those words? Because it was in that moment that everyone now had access to the holies of holies. Everybody could just walk in and begin to talk to God. So that's why it's so important. All right, so redeeming the firstborn son was also referenced in Exodus 13 and 15 and Numbers 18 and 15. But this was not a request that God made. This is not something he simply said, I would like for you to do this if you feel like it. But this was a requirement. It had to happen. You see, God did not allow children to be sacrificed as other pagan religions had required in those days. Instead, he required the child would be redeemed. Listen to this, how powerful this is. So other gods, other religions that people worshiped them back then, there were some religions that would require you to sacrifice your newborn child unto them. But it says here that our God would not allow a sacrifice of your child to take place, that he required there to be, that the child would be redeemed. So this was a powerful moment in history. Joseph and Mary went to offer a sacrifice to redeem their firstborn son, who was, in fact, the Messiah. 
And when they stood before the priest, they followed the law and they redeemed their son. And they redeemed the very one who would in return redeem the world. So they had to bring a sacrifice in his place. Mary, knowing the whole time that the, very, the baby she's holding is that lamb. So she's bringing a lamb in his place, but knowing that she's holding the lamb that's going to redeem you and me of all of our sins. So imagine how she felt knowing that there's coming a day where this spotless lamb right here is going to allow us to have our sins washed away. All right, the third point, we must always bring a sacrifice when we come to God's house. So for the Hebrews, the temple was a place where God dwelt. It was where they met with God, that they made sacrifices through the priest. They brought offerings, they repented, they purified themselves and their children, and they spent time in the temple with prayer. The temple, was, uh, the temple represented the place where heaven would touch earth. It was a place where, where God's realm connected to the human realm, and the communion took place in the temple. That after Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice to redeem humanity, the temple changed. No longer did God's spirit dwell in the temple. No longer was there a specific place where heaven touched earth, but God began pouring his spirit into humanity. Thank the Lord for that. Anybody got the Holy Ghost tonight? Anybody full of the spirit tonight? Can we just clap our hands and thank God for a minute? That he was willing to allow us the opportunity to have his spirit inside of us. That's why, that's why we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Understand that we used to be, the, you, the, the temple used to be that place that was closed off. You are now the temple. No longer is he just held up in a temple. So I, I do want to ask this. So talking about this, we, we should bring a sacrifice into the church every time we come. So can you give me an, exa an example of what is a type of sacrifice that you can bring into the church when you come? Bob. Time? Absolutely. You're sacrificing time to be here. Yep. Anybody else? I know there's more than that. It's not a trick question, I promise. You're, you're not going to give a... Bad answer. Brother Bob again. Talent. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yes, absolutely. What is it? Yep. What else can you bring into church as a sacrifice on, on a Sunday? What else can you bring? Your offering. Yep. Maybe uh, praise. You could bring in. You can bring in praise. You could bring in worship. Uh, those are some of those things that you can bring in that you don't have to bring. You don't have to bring the animal in anymore. You don't have to walk the donkey down the middle aisle to the altar. You don't have to do all those things. But when you come in and you lift your hands up and you say, "Well, I, I didn't feel like doing this today because life's just not great," but you're going to give a sacrifice of praise unto Him. You're going you're gonna to bring something. You say, well, you know, Pastor, I'm really having a hard time paying tithes this week because my bills are really tight. And I'm not quite sure if I'm going to do it, but I'm going to give a sacrifice 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring my tithes. I'm going to be submitted unto him. And I'm going to even give an offering, a sacrificial offering on top of that and believe that God can take care of it. Anybody ever done that and God came through for you? Multiple times. All right. God's word always comes true. The second point we're going to look at tonight. Always, always comes true. When seeking to be led by the Spirit, the question always arises, well, how do I know if God is speaking to me? How am I supposed to know? How does he speak? I've had people ask me, what does God sound like when he talks? What, you know, because most people think, you know, like, this is God. He's going to show up in that, in that voice. That's my morning voice. Like, get out of bed, kids. Uh, I actually had somebody call last night. I thought it was telemarketer, so I thought I'd have some fun with them. So I answered, and I said, hello. And she said, ah, oh, yes, this is Melissa from UPCI. And I was like, I had to roll with it. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm calling for Mrs. Blankenship. I said, one second, she'll be right with you. I wasn't bailing. I'm like, I'm already in this. I got to roll with it. Whew. But I don't know exactly that's how God sounds. Maybe in the mornings, I don't know. Um, but that question always comes like, well, if God's speaking to him, how am I supposed to know that it's him? So it might take some time to get familiar with God's voice and the different ways that he speaks to us. And in this process of being spirit-led, that's the key, being spirit-led, we must remember that God will not lead us in a direction that is contrary to his scripture. You keep that in mind right there. You say, well, am I supposed to go do this? I don't know. Does it line up with his word? Am I supposed to make this decision? I don't know. Does it line up with his word? You know, should I go here or should I not go there? Go back to his word. Does it line up with his word? His words, this came to me today, his words will never contradict his word. If they're his words that's coming to you, it will never contradict his word. So if it does, there's your answer. There's your sign. You know. If, if it does not line up with his word, don't even waste your time with it. You say, it's not of God, so I'm going to move on. So God speaks through his word, through scripture, and he gives continual direction through his word. It is not something that, this is one thing I love about the word of God is that you can read a scripture a thousand times, but find yourself in a situation where you need a word from the Lord and you're reading that same scripture and something will jump out at you or you'll see it in a different light that you never saw it before, that God can speak to you through his word in any situation. So it's not something that's going to get old after a while. Just continue to, to read his word. That we will never grow to the place in our walk with God where scripture becomes irrelevant. I'll say that one more time. We will never grow to a place in our walk with God where Scripture becomes irrelevant to you. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care if you do 40-day fast. I don't care. It does not matter. His Word will never come to the—you'll never get to the place. You're never going to grow. You, 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 I look at, like, you know, Bishop Bernard. It just blows my mind, you know, how deep he is in the Word of God. But I promise you, not a day goes by that he's not in the word of God. 
because he understands this is how he survives. God, this is how God gives revelation. This is how God speaks. So we never get to the place. You never, ever, ever, ever arrive. Never. So I've told a lot of the young ministers, you will never arrive. The day you think you have arrived is the day you start dying spiritually. Because when you think you arrived, you think, I don't need the Word of God anymore. I don't need to hear from God anymore. I don't need to move with the Holy Ghost. I can do this on my own. You can never do this on your own. We need the Word of God. We must have it. God's Word is true and will always be true. Amen? All right, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, the first point here in God's Word is always true. Simeon was told that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. In Luke 2, 25-28, it says, There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him. That's one way the Lord can speak to you, is that the Holy Ghost was on him, the Spirit was on him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus uh, Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there in that place. So Messiah's coming had been prophesied hundreds of years before, and now the Holy Spirit had revealed that Simeon would not die before he saw this Christ with his very own eyes. What did that mean? What did that mean to, to Simeon? That Simeon had no idea how this would be brought to pass. He would say, okay, God's given me a promise, and God has told me, that this is what's going to happen. I will see him. But if you would ask Simeon, well, how is it going to happen? When are you going to see him? How old are you going to be when you see him? He couldn't have told you because those details were left out. And sometimes when God speaks to you, he doesn't give you the full picture. And we all wish he would. <laughs> we all would like be like, Lord, if you could just give me the details of this, that would be great. But a lot of times if we had all the details, we would mess it all up. And that's exactly what I spoke to that young man today at 23 years of age. I said, I remember that age. I remember that. And he just started youth pastoring. I said, I started youth pastoring shortly after that. I, I remember. And he said, how did you get from here to where you are now? And I said, simply living for tomorrow and what God has for me. Always seeking out and living on the promises that have yet been fulfilled. Because he said, ministry's hard. I said, oh, you better believe it's hard. And you're just getting started, bud. I said, ministry's very hard. I said, you're just youth pastor, and you get to pass the buck now to your pastor. I said, when you're pastoring, and you pour yourself into people, and you love them, you spend hours with them, and they're the ones that stab you in the back and talk about you. I said, those moments come. And when those moments come, he said, well, how do you survive that? I said, because one thing, I'm here for him. I said, and I constantly have to remember that there are promises that have yet been fulfilled. So I can't look here and now, but I have to look to what's coming. And I told him the words of Bishop Stark that changed my life forever last year. You know what we went through in the middle of VBS, and we were plastered all over Facebook, and I think it was like, I don't know, 
something crazy, like 5,000 shares or something that post that went out. And I told him about it, and I, I called Bishop Stark, and I said, Bishop, I, I need you. I need a word from you. I, need, I don't know what to do. And I never faced this before. And, and these words, he spoke to me. He said, don't worry about it. He said, I don't want you to dwell on what's taking place right now. He said, what, what's your plans for next year? I said, what's my plans for next year? He said, what's your plans for the church next year? I thought, I'm trying to deal with this, Bishop. I didn't call you for next year. I called you for now. And he spoke these words to me. I want you to take this and you can apply it to your life if you want to. He said, if you dwell on what's going on now, if you dwell on the here and now, you will die in the here and now. He said, I want you to look out to what's coming. He said, look out for what has not taken place yet. Start planning next year. He said, because if you allow this to consume you, you will die here. So if we look at and say, well, God, your promises haven't come to pass yet. And here I am in the middle of the storm, middle of this situation. If we focus on this so much, like the, like the disciples in the boat, if they would simply would have just thought, oh, before we left, Jesus said we're going to the other side. And they would have understood whatever he says is going to come to pass. So even though we're in the boat in the middle of the storm, and we think we might die, if they would have just remembered what Jesus said, he prophesied before they ever left the shore. He said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. So I don't care how big the storm gets, if he said we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. Even if the boat gets broken some way, somehow, he's getting me to the other side because that's where he prophesied, that's where we're going. So right now, like in the middle of last year in COVID, everything taking place, that I remember thinking the first part of the year because the Lord spoke to me so very clearly that we were going to pay off our land toward the middle of summer. And I thought when and COVID hits, and I'll be honest with you, I scratched my head like, okay, Lord, I know I heard you. I know I heard what you said. You, you said this to me. And I remember the banker laughing at me when I told him. But then I remembered this is what you said. Let's see how you do it. And remember the day when we walked in to the bank and handed him, I handed them the check. He wasn't there, unfortunately. I wanted to be like, ha, now I'm laughing at you because you laughed at me. But it was amazing to see that God said, I'm not worried about a shutdown. I'm not worried about this storm. I'm not worried about this pandemic. You think I can't bring you... And fulfill my promises in the middle of this? Now, what if as your pastor, if I would have taken the approach and just said, oh, forget it. We'll just wait. We'll just wait until next year to get this project going. We'll put it off. We'll just close things down. We never would have seen the promise. And we, that, that dream, we had the ability to kill it. But we looked forward as a church anyways. And we said, it's going to come to pass because he said it would. So don't, don't get caught up in the storm. Don't, don't, don't let that distract you in what God's going to do. So Simeon was directed by the Spirit to go to the temple courts. So think of this story. Here he is. He's been promised he's going to see the Messiah. He has no clue how he's going to see the Messiah. And the Spirit of God speaks to him and says, you need to go to the temple. This is why you need to stay prayed up. You want to hear God's voice? Let him hear your voice. 
If he hears your voice on a daily basis, good chances you're going to hear his voice. And when the time comes, especially when the time comes where he has something for you, that he's going to speak to you. And he tells Simeon, he said, go to the courts, go to the temple courts, and tell this, or this tells us that he had been living a life that was in tune with the Spirit. He could hear what God had to say. So we see here that the second point, he recognized who Jesus was when he saw the child. And Luke 2 and 28 and 32 tells us that he took the child in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. So Simeon was confident in God's voice, and he declared that he could now die in peace since God's promise had been fulfilled. He went on to declare aloud who Jesus was and then prophesied to Mary. He knew the good that was to come, but he also understood the destruction that would come for Mary, who let the sin of pride, and if she would let the sin of pride and power rule. The great gift that Mary held would also cause her untold pain and would cause her grief in the years to come. Simeon not only knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but he seemed to understand a little of what that meant. Realizing the conflict and the pain in Mary's path, Simeon shared this, or his revelation with Mary, trying to impart understanding unto her, trying to let her know what was coming ahead. That the road with your baby is not going to be an easy road to travel. It's going to hurt. There's going to be pain. And you're going to suffer it with him. And there's going to be times when your baby is hurting. And there's nothing you can do. Imagine if you're, if you're all mamas in here. Ain't nothing like a mama. Do you imagine your baby being tortured? And there's not a thing you can do. Because you know the promise is being fulfilled. He was trying to tell her because he was so in sync with the Spirit that he could hear the voice and he prophesied to Mary to prepare her for what was coming. The third part I want to look at tonight is we must cling to God's promises no matter how long we must wait. You have to hold on. Simeon spent time learning about God. And he spent time learning about God's plan. And once he knew God's plan, Simeon chose to believe God's plan. That's something else we have to um, understand. Uh, Brother Brooks spoke about this last night. Uh, incredible thought he gave last night in prayer. You know, to believe, let your belief be there. It's one thing to know what God wants to do. And it's another thing to believe that God's going to do it. So we cannot cling to God's promises if we do not know his promises. You have to be a place, have, you, have yourself positioned in a place of prayer that God can reveal his promises unto you, that he can show you what these promises are. And when you get the, the understanding of what the promises are for your life, and everybody, it's different for everybody. There are problems. When you say, well, well Pastor, I, God doesn't give promises to me. You know, God doesn't give this or that. I'm just just a saint in the church and you know I'm not I'm not a minister or I I don't serve in you know this capacity or whatever there are promises for every individual in this room 
every one of us. There are promises that God has given you. There are things in your, there are things that you have prayed about, and God has given you promises that I will do that for you. Promise I will. You know, one of the most powerful things I heard was actually came from our, our bishop, Bishop Stark's wife, one year at because of the Times conference we were at. I'll never forget, we were sitting Claire in the back. He's district superintendent, so they sat up front. And Sister Stark made her way clear back to the back. And there was something that, that my wife had been praying about and praying about for a very long time. Sister Stark had no idea. And she came back and she laid hands on her, began to speak to her, and began to tell her things that only my wife knew and myself knew. And she began to tell her that, she said, there are vessels in heaven. She said, there are vessels in heaven that contain your promises that God has given you. And she said, do not forsake your prayers. Keep praying because God is about to tip over the promises and the vessels are about to be emptied into your life. It's all in God's timing. But sometimes God will send somebody to speak into your life to remind you that just keep on holding on. Keep on praying because it's coming. It's going to come. So we have to cling to the promises even if we have to wait for them. So we see here that he spent time learning God's word. And when God did give Simeon the promise, it was not a promise Simeon could make come to pass. He couldn't make that happen. He could do nothing except continue to serve God and to trust God that God would bring the promise to pass. Just like Simeon did, we must make the choice to believe God. The type of belief Simeon had did not come in just a moment. It wasn't overnight that he believed God like this. He knew who God was and God's plan before the promise came. You see, we must seek to know God before you seek to know his plan. You've got to get to know the God of the plan and the God of the promise before you get to know the promises of God and the plans of God. We can do so through reading, learning God's word, studying his word, be a student of his word. We've talked about that. We are students of so many things in life. You say, well, I'm not a student. I don't go to school. Well, when you get, listen, when you get an upgrade, anybody got an iPhone? When you get that unwanted update, when they don't even ask you, they just do it. Frustrates me. I'm like, I don't want your update. Quit messing my phone up. Because I have to relearn everything. Because they make changes. And right when I get it down, they make these changes. And you have to relearn. You have to be, if you want to learn how to work your phone, you have to become a student of the phone. Right? Anything new in life that you take on, you have to become a student if you're going to do it and do it well. Now, you could just get by and say, well, I'm just going to do, you know, half-hearted job at this, and we'll just see what happens. We can't take that approach to our relationship with God. We can't take that approach to reading his word. We need to become students of his word. We need to know his word. We need, I'm not saying you have to quote the whole Bible. That's what I'm talking about. But I love the fact that we have our young kids in this church that are, are begging to be Bible quizzers. I love that. Because I'm telling you right now, there's coming a time in their life when they get a little older and reality hits them 
and people start questioning this, this, and that, and they start being challenged. If they go to college, they're going to start being challenged with all these philosophy classes, and I promise you it's coming. There's going to come a time that that word that's hidden away in their heart is going to start pouring out before they even know it. Or they're going to sit down and friends are going to say, hey, will you tell me about your God? And they're going to start quoting scripture to them. And they're going to start doing, they can do a Bible study without the Bible in their hand. They're becoming students of God's word. I love when I get up early in the morning, I come downstairs and I see my boy on the couch with his computer. And I question, what are you doing? Bible quizzing, making sure. You're not watching YouTube, Dude Perfect. You might know Dude, you got Dude, oh yeah. Those that have the boys. Dude Perfect. All about Dude Perfect. And I say, you ain't watching Dude Perfect? No, Dad, I'm, I'm studying for Bible quizzing. Man, that makes my heart so happy. That he's up early in the morning pouring God's word into his life. Because that's what's going to sustain your kids. I promise you, Dude Perfect, it's not going to sustain your kids. Promise you. All it's going to do is going to get them to go out with water bottles and try to flip water bottles and do tricks and video it. That's all it's going to get them to do. Waste their time. But I promise you, if you can get your kids to be a student, by example, unto them, because when they see mom and dad doing it, they're going to want to do it. Or to say, hey, we got devotion this week. We're going to sit down together. and We're going to be students of the word of God together. And help them grow in the word of God. All right, the third thing we're going to look at is God blesses those who faithfully serve him. Faithfully serve him. There are so many facets to living a life of faith and choosing to serve God no matter what the future holds. A life of faith does not remove the trials and the triumphs of life. Neither does it equal glory or grandeur. Choosing to faithfully serve God does not mean the absence of temptation or the absence of failure, the absence of loss, pain, or suffering. I'm pretty sure everyone in this room can say, Pastor, I've been tempted. Anybody had this temptation? Temptation today? And y'all are just saints. You see this, Lord? Anybody had failure today? Anybody failed God, made a mistake, did something you probably shouldn't have done? Has anyone had any loss this last year? I'll tell you, I have. I had. What about pain? Suffering? We, we have. As a church, we have. We went through it together. I was talking today to this young man. And told him there's going to be seasons that you go through as a church that are painful and it hurts. And I said, you know, I was here for, you know, about four years and we hadn't lost anybody. And I said, this last year, you know, we lost, my goodness, <laughs> some giants of the church, pillars of the church. And I started naming off, you know, we lost Brother Brooks, how hard that was. Just an incredible man of God. We lost him and. And, and, and Sister Betty, and I started thinking about that situation. And I mean, how young to lose her so fast. And Elder Chapman and, and my in-laws. And I said, you know, just started thinking about that. My, my goodness, you know, we, we had a season of pain and loss, suffering. But God was faithful. 
Because I remember in every one of those situations the sweet peace that we felt. Every one of them. And that only comes when we're faithful to serve him. So we're going to face those things. But it doesn't mean, even though there is the presence of temptation, failure, loss, pain, and suffering, it does not mean that there is the absence of joy, laughter, love, success, or healing. All of these will present or be presented in a life of faith and service unto God. The reason we felt what we felt with all the laws, the reason that we had the peace that we had is because we knew who they were. We knew the life that they were living. We knew that they were faithful to God. We knew that, my goodness, uh, uh, a Brother Brooks, um, there wasn't a night that went by that y'all didn't sit down and read the Bible together. You guys were in the Word together, talking about God. You could feel the presence of God in their home when you walk in their home. To be, to be around a sister Betty and that smile and that laugh, she loved people like God loved people. She gave her life to sacrifice and service to try to win souls. Someone who had walked away from God for years. Years. And trust me, if you didn't know her personal testimony, she gave it one time on video and we shared it. If you didn't know that personal testimony, she had a season of a lot of pain, a lot of loss, and a lot of suffering. But that's what brought her back to the Lord. And when she passed on, she had joy, peace, love. Elder Chapman, do you look at that situation? And just a man of a man of God. He loved the Lord. A man of worship, a man of prayer. I was going through pictures the other day back when we first kicked off Middleport. And in every picture, every week, it was consistently Elder Chapman was there. He was there. Hands raised because he believed. He believed in it. He knew this was truth. And he was getting ready to go through some suffering and some pain, but I promise you, if you had talked to him, there was always love, joy. He would walk through that back door. I know he didn't feel like being here, but there was always a smile on his face because he was going going to be in the presence of God. I would always ask Brother Brooks, and I knew he wasn't feeling good. I said, how are you doing today, sir? God's been good to me. Oh, God's been so good to me. Where does that come from? A relationship with him. Faithfulness to God. Faithfulness to his word. Faithfulness to prayer. Faithfulness to the kingdom of God. All of these things were present in a life of faith and service. And one of the promises that believers can cling to is that God blesses those who faithfully serve him. Faithfully, that's the key word. He will bless those who are faithful unto him. He wants his church to be faithful. Not because we feel like we have to be, because we want to be. We're here on Sundays because we want to be here on Sundays. We're here on Wednesdays because we want to be in his presence on Wednesday. We come to Tuesday night prayer because we just want to be in his presence. We read our word every day. Why? Because I want to give him an invitation into my life. When you pick up the phone and call a friend, you understand that you are giving them an invitation into your day. You're going to let them be a part of your day. That's what happens. 
Maybe you need a word. You just need some encouragement. So you call up a friend. You are telling them, I need you in my world today. When you go to your prayer closet or anywhere, when you just pray and you open up God's word, you're telling God, I need you today. I need you in my life today, God. I can't go a day without talking to you. I mean, those who have a spouse in here, you know what I'm talking about. There should be something you say, I want to talk to my, I want to talk to my girl today. Yeah, I mean, ladies, I want to talk to my man today. I don't want a day to go by. I want a day to go by that I don't, I don't get to hear their voice and talk to them. Why? Because you love them. And if you love him, there's something inside of you that says, I cannot let a day go by. I have to be faithful in talking to him. Faithful in getting to him into his presence. And I promise you, if that's not where you're at right now, if you start applying that into your life, you're going to start seeing the blessings of God unlocked in your life like you have never seen before. But we cannot expect to see those things if we're not faithful unto him. We have to be faithful unto God. All right. Moving on to uh, the next point we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about Anna. This is in Luke 2, 36, 38. Anna faithfully served God and waited for his promise to come to pass. Anna was also a great example to someone who was blessed because she faithfully served God. It says here that Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. And she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband died, and when they had been married, only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. And she never left the temple but to stay there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and with prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for the God to rescue Jerusalem. So Anna had committed herself to the work of God. She had committed herself in those days where women could not be priests, but widows could commit themselves to prayer and to fasting in the temple. However, Scripture states that Anna was a prophetess. And Anna was living the life of faith and service, so she was called to, and God had called her to do. And God blessed her by allowing her to see the Messiah and his promise being fulfilled to her people. He also blessed her by allowing her to be the voice, or a voice, who shared the good news of the Messiah's arrival with others who had been faithfully awaiting this promise. In a society where women often had very little voice, God gave Anna the privilege of announcing the fulfillment of a promise for which so many people have been faithfully looking forward to. The second part I want to look at is I will faithfully wait for God's word to come to pass. Just like Anna in this story, each of us can faithfully wait for God's word to come to pass. Anna chose to follow God's plan and faithfully respond to his call. And we have the ability to do the same thing tonight. We can refuse to allow the pain, the loss, and the disappointments of life to distance us from God. We can ground ourselves in God's word, listen for his voice, and simply be led by his spirit. 
Drawing closer to God will increase our faith and create an intimacy that will call us to wait on Him. Faithfully waiting on God will not be a chore anymore when you're faithful to Him. It will be born out of a relationship of trust and a place of peace, knowing that the one that we love will do what He has promised for us. I want to close with this thought tonight. Every person in our lesson had to wait for God's word to come to pass. Beginning with Joseph and Mary, who had received instructions and the promise from the angel. Much of what they were told would take a lifetime to see come to pass. Yet they modeled faithful obedience and submission and trust for us today. Simeon chose to believe God's word and was told that he would not die before receiving the promise, but he was not told how long he would have to wait for it. We see the scripture from scripture that Simeon was old. He was an old man, but not because scripture states this, but because Simeon stated that now he could die having seen the Messiah as God had promised. When the promise came, he said, that's all I needed I don't need anything else. You kept your word. I've seen what you can do. You've been faithful. This statement is presented like a request to let Simeon die in peace. And it seems that he had waited for quite a while for this promise to come to pass. Anna served daily at the temple. Daily. Not, not weekly. She served daily at the temple. And was at least 84 years old, possibly closer to 100. We don't know for sure. The scripture states that she, along with others whom she went to tell, were waiting faithfully for the arrival of the promised Messiah. Scripture does not say that Anna had received the promise to live until the arrival of the Messiah as Simeon had. But Anna was serving faithfully and believing for the promise, whether she saw it in her lifetime or not. That's one thing when, I, when you start thinking about this, one thing that hits me, and I, I've preached on this before. That there are some promises, think about this, there are some promises that we have seen fulfilled in the last five years that might have been spoken to Brother White when he started this church. There have been promises that have been spoken over the years to all, all the different pastors that have been here and stood in the different pulpits that we have had, that they have preached. These promises are coming, the promises are coming, and there were some promises that they might have experienced but there are a lot of promises that they never got to see. Did it change who they were? Did it change how faithful they were? Did it change how they preached the word of God? Did it change that how faithful they were to ministry or to, to the service of the kingdom? No, it didn't change anything. I have the understanding that there are promises that I might preach about that God might show me for this church that I may never see. I'm okay with that. But it's not going to change how I serve as the pastor. It's not going to change my faithfulness to who he is. It's not going to change my faithfulness to the house of God. If I don't get to see the promises, it doesn't matter. And it was saying, listen, Simeon, that's great. God told you. He gave you that promise. You're going to see the Messiah. He never told me that. But that does not change the fact that I'm going to come here daily and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast until he comes, if I'm still here. I think that she knew that she could pray and fast 
if it wasn't for her to see it, maybe it was for the next generation to see it. You want something to pray and fast for? Pray and fast over your kiddos. Pray and fast over the next generation that's coming up in this church. Pray and fast for our kids and our teenagers. Just earlier, I heard them doing praise and worship down there. Right now, they're hearing a word from God right now downstairs. They're in the presence of God right now. You understand that? It won't be long before they're the ones that are sitting up here. They're the ones. Anybody, anybody got young ladies that your, your daughters, teenagers, I know we got. It won't be long, Sister Lisa. She, they're going to be walking down the aisle saying, I do. It won't be long. I, you wouldn't have dreamed five years ago that she'd be playing the keys for All Nations Sunday. You see what God's doing? There are promises that are still alive for this church. There's a lot of promises out there that have not taken place yet. Revivals that have we have not had yet. They're coming. But we have to faithfully serve if we're going to see them come to pass. So finally, the Hebrew people had been waiting for the promised Messiah. Many were hungry for a word from God and hoping for the Messiah themselves. And we know this because of the incredible response to John the Baptist preaching. They came in masses to hear him preach. They repented and were baptized by John in preparation for the coming Messiah. Thus, they believed God's word would come to pass. They believed what he was saying. They believed what he was preaching. And they understood that their Messiah is still coming. So many times, God does not bring about his promises through only one person. Think back to our story with Scotty. His mother prayed faithfully and waited for God to reach her son. God worked through people and events in Scotty's life to bring him to a specific location where others lived and were connected to Kendall and the Pentecostal church nearby. God spoke to and through the pastor to impact Scotty. Finally, God showed his love and kindness through the body of Christ to reach out to Scotty. And when he came to church, Scotty's heart was prepared to respond to God's spirit through so many people, people who are faithfully serving God and believing in his promise of the gospel message. God's word is true. And we can be encouraged through scripture tonight, through prayer and testimony, to faithfully wait for God's word to come to pass. I believe his word is going to come to pass. I believe there are promises that have yet to be seen. But I want to be a part of someone's promise coming to pass. You see, one promise he said is that he said that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He spoke that. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He was talking about Scotty. That's a true story. This is not made up just for this for the sermon tonight. This is a true story. He is a true, he's a real man. This actually took place. How many Scotties are out here in our, our neighborhood? How many Scotties live next to you? How, how many people that at a young age didn't want anything to do with church, but in the middle of the chaos of the world right now, they're looking for someone who is faithful to God, has a relationship with God, and knows who they are that can lead them to a place where they can have their own personal experience. I want this church to be a part of someone's promise coming to pass. I, I want you and I, I want God to use us in the process 
of somebody's promise being fulfilled, Brother Mark. There are people that you know and only you know that I might never meet them unless you bring them to church. It is you. God wants to use you tonight to help them get to a place where the promise of I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh can be fulfilled in their life. You say, do you say everybody has a promise? Everybody has a promise. Everybody. I don't care who they are. Everyone in this city tonight has a promise. He says, I'll forgive your sins. I'll wash them clean in my name. I will fill you with the Holy Ghost. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Everyone has that promise. Everybody. Everybody has it. But he needs the church to be his hands and his feet to go out and to lead people to where they need to be so the promise can be fulfilled. Just like Kendall did. Bought a van, went to the nursing home, and picked up Scotty and brought him. And all those years later, before Scotty passes away, six years before he passes away, he comes in, gets the Holy Ghost, gets baptized in Jesus' name, and gets his life right. It says, I'm ready to go now. The promise has been fulfilled. Just like a Simeon, the promise has been fulfilled. You can take me now. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Let's stand all over this place. And I want us to lift our hands. And I want, us to, I want you to pray that prayer. God, use me. God, use me to help somebody's promise be fulfilled in their life. Help me to bring somebody, Lord, to the place of salvation. Help me, God, to share the good news with somebody around me, maybe a coworker, or a friend, or maybe your family members that don't know who he is or haven't experienced it yet. God, help us as a church tonight, oh, Lord. God, to be like a Simeon. God, to be like an Anna, Lord. God, help us to be faithful, Lord. God, help us to be faithful, God, in what we do here. God, help us to be faithful in what we do in our homes, God. Faithful in our prayer rooms, Lord. God, faithful in the word lord help us god to be students of the word god help us lord god to be faithful in our life unto you lord god we know lord that it's going to come there's going to be god there's going to be times and seasons lord that don't feel good lord god but we know that you never leave us nor forsake us god i pray god in those storms god remind us lord who we are and our purpose lord god help us right now to remind us that the promises have yet to come lord god help us to stay faithful unto you so you can use us, God, in these last days, God, to reach somebody, God, to teach somebody, God, to pull somebody, Lord, into your presence, God, we help us to share the good news, Lord, God, that they don't have to live that life, Lord, God, that there is peace and joy and love, God, in you, Lord, help us, God, to be a light, Lord, in this dark world, and help us, oh God, to be faithful, faithful in who we are, Lord, help us to pray and fast and read, God, and to be students, God, of of your word, Lord, help us and prepare us, God, to do a mighty work, Lord, in these last days. In these last days, let us be your hands and your feet, Lord, your mouthpiece, oh God. God, to share your word, oh Lord, in Jesus' name, use us, God. Use this church in this city. Use this church in this region, God. Use us, oh God, to reach those, God, who have a promise that has yet to be fulfilled in their life. We thank you for it tonight, Jesus. We thank you.